Hello everyone and welcome to another podcast episode. I hope you're finding value in these conversations. If you are, please do consider supporting us. We have merchandise available and a Patreon at somethingtosayofficial.com and we also have a feature where you can donate directly at jeremyindica.com. Go check them out. Your financial support is extremely useful because it will help us improve the production quality of all of this content. And then we can compete with the other content creators out there have huge budgets for marketing and production and this is very important on this online space that's very very competitive so for this podcast you're going to find this really interesting i certainly did this idea of bringing comedy to help break down serious discussions is something that's been on my mind for a little while so do check it out i hope it's a good listen if you're listening on your podcast app or you're watching on youtube let's move this conversation forward let's get ready for this Thank you. Okay, so this is not actually the first time I've reviewed this video. I actually reviewed it a couple of years ago when I first started my YouTube channel. But now that this is a podcast as well, I wanted to re-review it because I think very differently now about these topics because I've learned a lot more since doing this work. And as I mentioned many times, I'm trying to continually evolve my way of thinking when it comes to how we're going to open up the discussion on this topic of child sexual abuse. On this topic, actually, let me rephrase that, of children being sexually abused by other adults. It's important. It's important that we talk about it. And this comedian has found another way of approaching this topic. Now, what I remember from reviewing this video a couple of years ago was he's using his story on the comedy circuit to make people laugh and make people actually think about this or, or or allow people to think about this using comedy, should I say. And I don't want to say too much about this comedian right now because we're going to review his work on this podcast episode. I'm trying to get this guy on my podcast so I can interview him to ask him all the questions that we want to ask him because I'm curious about how he's doing why he's decided to do this. Now I have DM'd him and I am had have have had an email interaction with him. So I'm trying to secure that. So watch this space. So for those that are watching this on YouTube, I'm of course going to review this video on screen. For those that are listening on your podcast app, hello to you too. And I'm going to walk us through this video. It doesn't matter that you can't see this visually. I think it's all going to make sense anyway as you listen to the audio of it. So let's get into this and see what he's got to say. If we keep child sexual abuse as only something we can talk about seriously, we're never going to talk about it. My name's Johnny Pelham, and I'm a stand-up comedian. Hello, hello. How are we doing? We well? My comedy's personal, political, and no topic is off-limits. I actually had sex for the first time when I was eight with a man who was acting very immorally. I'm also a child... I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help but stop it. I can't help but stop it so soon. I do try my best to allow the video to play a little, but I just can't help myself but stop it so soon. And I'm pretty sure that two years ago, I stopped it in this same spot. Two things I want to talk about here. 
the first thing is he opens it with something that I think really resonates with me these days. And actually, I think is really impactful and truthful. If now I'm going to try to, oh, I'm not going to try because I can't remember exactly his words. You know what? This is what we should do. Let's just start that again um, and get his words correctly. Let's let's do that. One second. If we keep child sexual abuse as only something we can talk about seriously, we're never going to talk about it. Okay, it's 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 a it's such a valid point, right? It's just a valid point. If we can only talk about it seriously, then how are we going to get anywhere with it? But actually, for me personally and my approach on my channels and on this podcast now, I would change the wording of that If to, to this. If it's only something we can talk about with the heaviness that exists inside of it, then we're never going to talk about it, right? If we can only talk about it with the heightened emotions that we all feel naturally and rightly so, the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, if we can only talk about it in those spaces, we're not going to talk about it at all because we're going to naturally avoid it. We're human beings, we want the path of least resistance, right? And also then, if we ever do open the discussion for it, it just is filled with this anger and we can't reason with any kind of discussion, we can't get anywhere with it. And I have noticed recently on a few posts that I put out on my social media platforms, there has been a bit of, how, 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 how can I explain this? There has been a bit of fighting within people. Again, uh, with, with, with people disagreeing with other people's comments and they're going at each other. And I'm sad about that because we all have the same goal, right? We all have the same mission. We all have the same aim of preventing this crime from continuing to happen to to young children, to minors in our in our countries. And I see that fight and 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 I do read those comments and I do um uh, mostly see that it's it's due to just such heightened emotion and i sometimes think if we can all just calm down and remember that we're all on the same team then we can address each other's comments slightly differently so this guy is saying um if we can only talk about it in a serious way we're just not going to have the discussion in the first place now we're going to get to his joke right his opening joke which by the way if you're listening to this on a podcast um he is at live at the apollo which here in england is a renowned um comedy stage you can see it here visually for those watching on youtube um, a great audience a great theater here theater hall and i believe that this is a show that's on tv right so um Phenomenal. He's obviously a comedian that's well recognised. Now let's let's hear his initial joke. My name's Johnny Pallum and I'm a stand-up comedian. Hello, Apollo. How are we doing? We well. My comedy is personal, political, and no topic is off limits. I actually had sex for the first time when I was eight with a man who was acting very immorally. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I don't know how I feel about the joke. Do you hear the audience reaction there? Um, let, let's hit, let's uh, get the audience reaction there. Immorally. People probably don't know how to react to that joke. Um, 
you can hear the, ooh, like, has that pushed it too far? But I think what's skillful about what this guy is doing is that he's using his own story, right? That is his that is his own story. And who is to say anything to him about if he wants to bring comedy to the stage using his story? I think there's so many ways to think about this. One of them being that people in the audience that have experienced something like this may uh, get offended by what he's saying. Um, But that's always going to be the case, right? You're always going to potentially trigger somebody in the audience that you're speaking to. Um, But he is using his own story to try to bring some light to the discussion. And a lot of comedians I've heard, because I've now started... um, not researching, but watching a lot of stand-up comedy because I believe that the way that they take the audience on a journey is something that I could really learn from from my own for my own presentations. Um, I feel like him trying to bring some light to his own story would be healing for him, for sure, a way of using his story for some good, and maybe he's doing something great for people and himself. Let's hear more of what he wants to say. I'm also a child sexual abuse survivor. And in 2019, I wrote a comedy show about my experiences. Everyone's bragging about how young they had sex on Freshers Week. One guy was like, I had sex for the first time when I was 15. And I was like, that's nothing. I had sex for the first time when I was 14. And I really remember thinking, I've got an ace in the deck here. <laughs> The show really connected with people, and I was shocked by how many people got in touch with me to talk about their own personal experience of childhood sexual abuse. I was stunned to hear how many people suffer in silence. Particularly when I know it was only when I started talking about it that I started healing. I want to look at why so many children continue to be abused, how we can make it easier to talk about, and what we can do to try and stop it. Okay, so now we get a fuller picture, right? Now we get now we get the bigger picture an extension of his comedy work and his um his comedy act and what he's delivering on stage he is also very interested in in uh, why this is continuing to happen his comedy i'm going to assume here is a way for him to connect with audiences and bring this subject into the open He also mentioned here how many people have contacted him off the back of his comedy set where he talks about his story. And then you start to think, okay, so it may not be for everyone. His comedy set where he talks about his story and makes various jokes about it may not be for everyone, but it may be for some people. For some people, that may be a true release for some people, that may be such a refreshing um, um, way uh, to hear uh, of another person's story. Um, Maybe uh, other ways that people are communicating these topics through documentaries, through shows, um, through film. It's all way too serious for people to consume this content in that style. The films and documentaries are so heavy, right? And for people that have been through a sexual abuse situation in their childhood as a minor, as a young teenager, as a young child, maybe comedy is the way that they like to interact with stories. Or comedy is a way, is a lighter way for them to receive this information, to let them know that they're not alone. Like, I don't know, but there's 
everybody has a different personality, right? And everybody has a different way of consuming content, uh, receiving content. And for this guy to throw his style into the mixer surely is only a good thing. Surely it's only a good thing. And and as I'm talking now, I'm thinking about how I reacted to this video two years ago. And I think actually I'm very different now. I think my opinion on this is very different now. That's not to say I don't see you if you're triggered by this guy, right? If you think that, if you don't like this, if you don't like any, you, you don't think comedy has a place in this at all. I still appreciate your opinion. And I accept your opinion. And I completely understand if this guy isn't for you. But anyone's style, even my style, I'm pretty sure. In fact, I know that my style isn't for everyone. I do see sometimes that sometimes when I put stuff out there, I lose followers. People unfollow me because sometimes my style isn't for everyone. So you you can't please everybody, right? Or you can't attend to everybody. You can't make... Um, creative content that's for everybody. So I'm going to say just how I'm feeling right now is that to, to, um, that this guy's is it's most probably doing more good than triggering people. However, let me just also say something. The two jokes that we've heard so far in his set, they're not laugh out loud moments for me. If I was in the crowd, I'd probably feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I can see the worth in what he's trying to do. And they wouldn't get me laughing um, because I don't find them funny in that way. I just find what he is trying to achieve worth a listen. Let's continue with what he's got to say. Okay. Hey Johnny, I've never thought about the subject of child sexual abuse finding a place in comedy, but you found it and managed it in such a cool way. Hey Johnny, just watch you on Dave. So this one's from Carol. Hi, you have made my eight-year-old self feel acknowledged and empowered. Hi, I watched you on Live at the Apollo the other night and wanted to thank you. So after Live at the Apollo, I got these messages and on the one hand, it was brilliant. Made me feel great that I'd been at help. And I also realised it, it was a bit freaky because you suddenly realise, you know, shit, I've talked about being a victim of child or sexual abuse publicly. And the fear of that sort of defining who I am, really, you know, because it's quite a narrow space to inhabit. And I guess that's why I want to do this talk, to go talk to someone else who'd had a similar experience to me, who's talked about it publicly, to see how they've managed to own their survivorhood without being sort of defined by it. It's nice. He's getting messages from people saying that they felt seen through his work and that it's nice that he's managed to blend comedy into his story. Um, and that can only be a good thing. You know, surely that can only be a good thing. I'm always trying to think about both sides of this coin though, right? Because I know there's definitely going to be some anger towards what he's trying to do. So I am always trying to think about both sides of this coin. So let's continue. Hi, mate. Hey, how you doing? Just before, I'm so sorry. My brain is firing with um, with uh, ideas. Just before we continue a little bit more with this video, I 
have had a couple of discussions and listened to a few podcasts about people standing by comedy and jokes, no matter what the subject area is, whether you're joking about cancer or you're joking about someone dying or or whatever the joke may be. People standing by comedy being a way to have... Uh, bringing a way to open a thought or discussion on a topic that's so dark and so heavy that we can't even talk about it and it being a release and if you can make somebody laugh about something it actually only improves the awareness and the feelings towards it something like that I probably butchered uh, that reasoning by people who stand behind comedy now my response to that often has been ah but is it only funny for the person that's never been through that situation before let's make an example here let's say your mother died from cancer and you're at a show you're at a comedy show and the comedian makes a joke about people dying from cancer that's not going to be funny to you even if you're I'm gonna like make a big assumption here but even if you're somebody who stands by this um, idea that comedy is useful in any sphere with any topic with any subject I still don't think if your mother died from cancer you'd laugh out loud at a, a, a joke about cancer let's take it one step further let's say your child died from leukemia and somebody makes a joke about children dying from leukemia like you're gonna you're gonna laugh at that joke so I do think I do think the discussion is dependent on where you're coming from where you are in life what's happened to you in your life experience um whether you believe comedy has a place in all topics and as I talk about this honestly I am no expert in any of this right it's just what I've learned along the way and my current views and opinions on it. But has this guy done something a little bit more skillful than that? Because he's actually turned all the comedy on his story. So he's actually got, he's actually made the joke himself. He's actually made the laugh about himself. And through doing that, he's allowed people to relax on a conversation that's very uptight. I wonder what you think. Comments in the comment boxes, please. We're getting a few more comments now on these videos, in particular on YouTube, whatever podcast app you're on. I don't think podcast apps have the function to comment, do they? Um, But whatever it is, hit those like buttons, leave your comments. We're getting great discussions going on these topics. Let's continue with the video. Good to meet you, Ian. Yeah, you too, mate. Ian is a sexual abuse survivor. He first came forward in the 1990s about the abuse he suffered at the hands of his football coach, Barry Burnell. And he has gone on to found an organisation that helps other victims speak out within football. On average, it takes people 22 years from the time their abuse has stopped to tell anyone. I want to talk to Ian about why it is such a difficult conversation to have and how we can empower people to talk about it sooner. So yeah, I guess, um, let's dive in. Do you mind talking a bit about your what happened to you as a child? No, not at all. So, how old were you when it began? I was sort of nine, ten years of age, and it went on for about three and a half years-ish, and that was uh, pretty much every weekend, 
every school holiday, because it was all with the same abuser, oh, football coach. And, I mean, the person... I'm just going to tell you this to try and, like, we're on the same page. The person who abused me would have, like, full sex. Was that the same with you? Yes, absolutely. It was a full range of abuse from masturbation, oral sex um, and buggery. Um, and, uh, and even in, on some occasions with another boy in the bed at the same time. Shall I tell you something that I... Oh, God, I haven't got the right words for this, but... Shall I tell you something that I like about um, people's disclosure like that, in particular in public? You see how they just talked about it in real terms? The comedian said, didn't he, real sex. The other guy said, a masturbation, buggery, etc. Like, using real words for it. I think it's so powerful. And the reason why I say I like that is because I believe it to be so powerful in so many ways because they've owned their story. And I'm not saying, by the way, anybody that is listening that has a story themselves, I'm so sorry that you have a story, first of all. And if you don't feel comfortable to talk about it in those explicit terms, that's not. I'm not trying to knock you down there. What I'm trying to say is for those that do speak about it in those explicit terms, what I feel like it does is it gives the general public it, it, it hits the general public in the face with the reality of it, like the real terms. And when they say those words, you can't help but visualise a young boy in bed with a football coach and another boy at times. And that, I feel, starts to encourage the correct emotions in a human being that will take this really seriously and understand that this is a crime of a true horrific nature and the fact that it's continuing to happen behind closed doors today is a serious emergency that we have on our hands so all power to these uh, two gentlemen who are talking openly explicitly about the abuse that they went through as a child i think it's very important and this is actually a document from channel 4 a national TV program in the UK, and we're happy about that. We're just pleased about that kind of exposure for this topic. I was about eight when it happened to me, and I got very angry, and then I sort of started messing around at school, and I, probably, I don't remember doing this. I used to bang my head against the door and say that I wanted to kill myself. And then I just sort of stopped, I think, and I, went, I got very numb, and that's my strategy really was just to dissociate because you know you can't run you can't fight so you're just going to freeze i was wondering how it impacted on you on as a sort of child i remember going home the first time it happened and going to my bedroom and um having these very intrusive thoughts of all the images of what had actually happened to me and i remember focusing on a a, a little rust spot on my radiator in my bedroom and i just stared at it all night all night until eventually I went to sleep. And I've said in the past that me and that rust spot became very good friends. I think I spent a long time in my life trying to suppress those thoughts mm. because of the confusion, the guilt, the shame and all the other emotions that go with it. It took me 17 years to talk to someone about uh, my childhood abuse. I, I know an average it takes... OK, 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 OK. I'm so sorry I keep stopping it all the time, but I've just got so much to say about this. They have just 
spoken about how that affected them at the time it was happening and how horrific that was for both of them. Like they were young boys trying to handle this um, this thing that was happening to them and that they didn't that they that they were so young they didn't have a way of controlling or getting out of or or or, or any of those things. It's so sad. It's so sad. But as I keep getting asked about what the common signs to look out for are in children that are being sexually abused, the more I want to explain about how I believe that there is a a, a range of responses from children who are being sexually abused behind closed doors, and not all of them will have this response that these two gentlemen had when they were boys. These two gentlemen knew that there was something really wrong. These two gentlemen didn't like it. These two gentlemen felt dirty after being treated in that sexual way by adults around them. That was their response. They both had this common response to each other. They both had, the both of their responses were common to each other, should I say. But I don't believe that's always like that. I also believe, you know, using my personal experience uh, to to drive this idea that some children think that what they're involved in is something that they want. Some children think what they're involved in is something that they need or something that they do that's kind of naughty or uh, what what adults usually do, but because I'm doing it must mean I'm cool or... um, uh, so many other things you know you can also take let's take a a, a, not stereotypical example or a typical example but let's just take a 15 year old girl who thinks she's in love with a 21 year old man um she will have a different reaction to what's going on behind with them two behind closed doors than a 15 year old girl who's being forced by a 25-year-old man to do sexual things with him. You see what I mean? Every situation is so, so different, like vastly different, that every reaction from that young person is going to be different. And I just think this is so important for us to begin talking about, because yes, there are common signs, but the more I think about it, are are they common signs for a certain type of abuse situation. It's just something to think about. And people are not happy with me when I say that I don't think there are common signs because I think every child reacts to every situation differently. I actually think there are common signs to certain abuse situations But the abuse situations are so different in the way that they unfold that the signs the child is showing are also going to be different. And I worry that if we're only looking for those common signs, then if a child isn't showing those common signs, we think they're good. What The reason why I feel confident... I don't feel confident. I don't feel confident. I really don't sometimes. The reason why I feel 
I feel there's enough inside of me to to, to make that, that statement is because how many stories do we hear of adults coming forward and saying something happened to them in their childhood and everyone around them being like, you're joking. I would have never known. And that surely is evidence that not, you know, it's not like many people that go through an experience of sexual abuse in their childhood show signs. Because so many people are coming forward and so many people are saying, we just didn't have a clue. Even when we look in hindsight as you as a young kid, we still don't have clues. Now, we could put pieces together and say, yes, okay, this may be, this may be, this may be. But really, I think we're filling in the, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. I just wanted to get that get that out there. 22 years. And I, I'm just wondering why you think it is such a difficult thing to talk about and why so many people keep it secret. I think because in the majority there's a misconception about who it is who abusers are. And I think that the majority of abusers know very well the people they're abusing and vice versa. My abuser had absolutely ingratiated himself into my family, would come round for meals, turn up. Mm. It makes it so much more difficult to, to say anything. I knew the person who abused me um, well. You know, the reality was it was um, someone I knew, someone I respected, someone I quite liked. Then it makes it so much more difficult to tell anyone because you're... There's a relation, he's got a relationship with other people in your world and, it, and you're sort of chucking a grenade into your life, wow. if you mention it. Who was and how old were you when you first told someone about the abuse? I was 26 years of age and the first person I spoke to about it was my partner. Mm. We'd start to have a relationship and we'd had intimacy problems. Mm. It was probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to say mm. these two guys are so powerful yeah that guy who mentioned in his relationship they were having intimacy problems as a res result of what he'd been through as a child and this is the answer to people who are like oh come on just put it behind you and move on let it go come on this is deeper than just forgetting about it. Come on, this this seeps into your psyche, right? This seeps deep in, it is, it is, it is, it deep, it, it is deep inside of you. You can't just pick it up, put it behind you and keep walking along. I mean, come on, it's a complete misunderstanding. People who say those things, it's a complete misunderstanding. And I'm not angry at the people that say those things because I feel like it's just a lack of understanding coming from a lack of information that's out there on this topic. But that was seriously powerful, right? Let's continue. I remember thinking, what will she think? Will she believe me? And how was she? She was fantastic. Was she good? She was absolutely amazing. Um, but also, once I'd taken that leap of faith, I just remember feeling so much, how much better I felt, mm. just by getting it off my chest. I started randomly telling people at parties when I was pissed and inappropriately telling people. 
And I, I think now I understand that as I wanted to talk to someone, but I didn't want to talk to anyone who I knew because I didn't want them to be weird around me. So I just fucking told randomers. <laughs> <laughs> Started randomly telling people at parties when I was pissed and inappropriately telling people. And I, I think now I understand that as I wanted to talk to someone, but I didn't want to talk to anyone who I knew because I didn't want them to be weird around me. Sure. So I just fucking told randomers. <laughs> <laughs> I used to take on the responsibility of thinking, oh, I'm making people feel this way. Yeah. I mean, I used to say to people, if you're having a party, and you want to get rid of people at the end of the room, give us a ring. Uh, like, give us a ring. I'll yeah. clear you out in 30 seconds. Yeah. I'll just come in and start talking about me abuse, and yeah. they're gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that awkward. <clears throat> and I used to apologise for it, but more recently, I think I've learned to accept that actually it's other people's awkwardness. It's mm. their narrative, not mine. Mm. And I think that's one of the great things, I think, that you're doing with your stand-up. By allowing to, uh, people to laugh, uh, and see the funny side, the jokes in this stuff, or the ridiculousness in mm. some of this stuff. Give people permission not to be awkward. When I did... Mm. One of the words he used there that I found, just found really interesting was the ridiculousness of it. Mm. That's, that's really just made my brain, like, almost ignite, because... I, I sometimes say, like, when I look back at what happened to me when I was a child, and in particular when I started really thinking about this when I was 25, I'm 37 now, right? So when I really started thinking about this when I was 25, my abuse that I went through when I was a child finished when I was 10, so 15 years later, I often sat down when I was on my own and I thought, that is crazy. What actually just, what actually happened to me is nuts. Like, I can't even believe it. And the the craziness of it, I just felt like that word, how ridiculous it is. I don't know what the definition of ridiculous is. Shall I just quickly search it? Okay, so here's the definition of it. Arousing or deserving ridicule. Extremely silly or unreasonable, absurd or preposterous. So it's almost like it's so it's so stupid that it's happening. It's so ridiculous that it's even happening. And I just felt like his word was it was just there's just something there that that made me think, yeah, you're so right. This is so stupid that this is happening on on in our communities. Apollo, I wanted someone to be able to turn around to someone and go, oh, that happened to me. Because at the moment, it feels like the only place we have in our society to talk about this issue is in this serious space. That's a good point. About a year ago, I started, I started owning this part of my life. I started talking about it on stage. And it meant I'd have to make some changes, you know? Like, like I'd have to tell my parents, because they shouldn't find out by turning on live at the Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, sir. I'm reading a review in the Radio Times. Fucked as a boy, surprisingly upbeat. <laughs> it's still not laugh out loud for me, but yeah. What's great about comedy is if you can make people laugh about it, you can move the conversation slightly and it stops being, you know, piano music, someone crying, talking to a therapist. It moves it into a pub or it moves it into, a, you know, some people's 
lounge. And it just allows that conversation to begin in a, in a different space. Because I think if we keep child sexual abuse as only something we can talk about seriously, with serious people talking about trauma in serious ways, we're never going to talk about it. He's got points. Yeah, he's got points. If we stand any chance of getting this subject on everybody's table, people from different backgrounds, people with different interests, people who focus on different things, if it's only going to be talked about in a mega serious way, we're not going to get any chance of landing on those people's tables. If we talk about it in different ways, with different styles, we stand a chance of at least introducing what's going on to everybody. And that's what we want, right? One in six children have had some form of contact or non-contact childhood sexual abuse. And yet even though there are millions of us, the experience still feels incredibly lonely. If we do want to get serious about stopping childhood sexual abuse, we need to find new ways to talk about it. I found the Me Too movement so inspiring, and I really think we could have something similar around child sexual abuse, because there are millions upon millions of people, and if all of them were just be able to find a way to go online and say Me Too, without having to disclose personally the trauma of that abuse, I think it would shock people, and I think it would genuinely transform how we view ourselves as a society. Facts. Just to see the scale very explicitly and very clearly and go, fuck me, this is an issue that I don't have to deal with, because I personally know 5, 10, 15, 20 people myself who've been sexually abused as children. Facts. If we can give people permission to be able to say, me too, that's the thing that's going to allow the freer conversations that we're, we're looking to have and take it out of the awkward. Yeah. You know, and um, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. That's what it's about. Really positive conversation with Ian. And it's just great to be talking about these things, you know, because a thousand children are sexually abused every day in this country. There is a sort of silent crisis happening. And if we want to eradicate it, if we want to protect the next generation, we need to begin to have these conversations. Firstly, a society that can talk openly about this sort of stuff would fucking terrify abusers. Come on. And secondly, it's so helpful for survivors to see, to be represented, and to see that, you know, they don't have to be defined by this. It is possible to go on and still live a really rich, meaningful, happy life. So, yeah, really great, really positive conversation. Loved it. OK. I really like that. Two years ago when I reviewed this video, I didn't think I felt like that, like I do now about this. Um, I think I was still really inspired by what he was doing, but I was very, very unsure of the comedy side of it. Now, when I started this podcast episode and you first heard his first couple of jokes when he was on stage, I wonder how you felt in those moments. And if you are somebody that that really unsettled, if you feel more settled now after you see the bigger, his, his broader vision uh, for the topic. Do you feel like, okay, so I can see that he's really trying to do good. I can see that he is actually doing good and he has his own style of doing that. And whether us as people or, or whether you are somebody who agrees or disagrees with his style, we can definitely say that it's for good and it's going to do good. Again, it's always going to 
everybody, we are all going to dislike some things and like some things. But if in general, they're going to move the conversation forward, then maybe you have to go with that. Now, what I am trying to do, and the reason why I wanted to revisit this video is because my presentation that I'm doing now in front of businesses, organizations, schools, um, some of my recent bookings were uh, professionals who are in charge of childcare in the NHS. The British Army was one a couple of months ago. I got another school booking last week to teenagers. Also, I presented in front of newly newly qualified social workers, so a broad range of people. Now, my presentation comes in three formats. I've got three versions, a 60-minute, a 70-minute, and a 90-minute. Now, I'm really trying to play around with the format. I'm learning from each time I present that. Now, something that I have recognized is that there's a couple of parts in my presentation um, that I try to give an analogy for or I try to compare it to something and those things are a little bit light-hearted and relatable to people and there's a couple of things that I get a laugh out of there's two moments actually that I see every time I deliver them there's a little bit of a laugh there and people smile it's quite a nice um, analogy that I use actually and it really breaks the ice because I start my presentation by telling my story and oh my God, it can get really emotional at times, even though my story, I try to deliver it also in a way of um, inspiration and empowerment. Of course, that's always my aim. If you know my work, you know that's always my aim. But it really does, like it just, it just lightens the atmosphere for that moment. It's a release. It's a breath of fresh air when I deliver those two parts that always get at least the smile. And if I can try to... Uh, create a, a, a journey of emotions but not just um, the sadness and the despair and the hor horrifying emotions um, that we feel when hearing these stories or engaging in these discussions if I can also balance the discussion out with the opposing emotions such as relief some form of joy, some form of inspiration, some form of empowerment, some form of purpose, some form of learning, um, even just a little laugh here and there. Not not in the way that this guy's doing it, because that isn't something I want to take on. I'm not trying to laugh about my story. Um, that's that guy's style. It's not my style. Or, or that's not what I want to do. But if I can just try to it really helps break down the presentation. It really does. So I take a lot of inspiration for this guy. Again, as I mentioned, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. I was in talks with him a couple of months ago. He said, give me the thumbs up. He said, contact me in a couple of months. He's busy. So watch this space. I'll try to do that. And I mean, I'm trying to evolve this podcast. I'm trying to um, encourage guests to, that, that have got a lot to say, that have got something to say, right? Something to say. Here's the logo on my T-shirt for anyone that's listening. I'm actually wearing some of the merchandise today. I don't usually do that on my podcast episodes, but today I am. And you're going to see something to say. People who have got something to say about this topic, come on, let's get it on. Let's get these discussions going. So I hope you like this podcast episode. I hope you found it interesting as always and I hope I'm actually bringing some variety um, to these episodes. 
because that's what I want to do. I don't want every episode to be very similar to the last one. I want every time you see the promotion on social media for you to be like, oh, that's pretty interesting or cool, that's quite a different angle on it. And I hope I'm bringing that to the table. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for getting to the end of this podcast episode. And as I mentioned at the start, I hope you're finding value in these conversations. I hope that you're finding them interesting. I hope that they're helping you raise your awareness for the potential dangers that are around you to keep the children in your own family safe. That would be an amazing thing. So to support this podcast, you can hit the like button, leave a comment in the comment section to encourage a discussion. And if you'd like to financially support, you can visit somethingtosayofficial.com and jeremyindica.com. There are various ways that you can do that there. Step by step, we are moving forward. And as I always say, this is a conversation that we need to evolve. And with each podcast episode, we're getting better at doing this. The fight is on. We're ready for it. We're going to keep moving forward. Thank you so much.